This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. This episode includes discussions of rape, sadism, pedophilia, child abuse, and child murder. Listener discretion is advised, especially for children under the age of 13. On September 13th and 14th, 1942, a meeting took place in a river clubhouse in the Redwood Forests of California. The hosts were J.R. Oppenheimer, a chemist from the University of California Physics Department, and E.O. Lawrence from the UC Radiation Lab. In attendance were James Conant, the president of Harvard University, Lyman Briggs, the director of the National Bureau of Standards, Igar V. Murphy, the director of the Standard Oil Company, Arthur H. Compton, a representative from General Electric, and a lieutenant and a major from the United States Army. Over the course of two days, they planned a new government venture, one that would cost the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom the equivalent of almost $30 billion. Research and development for the program would take place in 30 different laboratories and centers across the world. The meeting was the earliest stage of the Manhattan Project, the initiative responsible for the creation of the first nuclear weapons. And just three years later, on August 6th and 9th, 1945, the United States of America dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hundreds of thousands of civilians lost their lives on impact. 
Tens of thousands more perished in the days to come from burns, radiation poisoning, and other side effects. But few know that it's all rumored to have started in one place, the Bohemian Grove. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a podcast original. Every Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. At ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. So let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This is our second episode on the Bohemian Grove, the headquarters for the Bohemian Club, an invite-only, all-male, secret fraternity of some of the most influential and powerful men in the world. Every July, for two weeks, they gather in the Redwood Forests. What exactly happens there, we may never know. Last week, we explored what little we've learned about the Grove and the club that calls it home. But the more we find out about the Bohemian Club, the less things seem to make sense. This week, we'll discuss a few of the leading conspiracy theories surrounding the Bohemian Club. Conspiracy theory number one. The Bohemian Club practices paganism and sacrifices real, live humans possibly to Satan himself. Conspiracy theory number two. It's not a club at all, but a secret society that uses their power, influence, and an invisible hand to try and create a new world order. Conspiracy theory number three. The Bohemian Club members are responsible for the creation of the atomic bomb, and they hold the keys to the destruction of our planet. Rule number one of the Bohemian Club. You do not talk about the Bohemian Club. Rule number two of the Bohemian Club. You do not talk about the Bohemian Club. St. John of Nepomuk is carved into one of the redwood trees in the Bohemian Grove. He's raising a finger to his lips to tell all who enter, what happens there stays there. In life, John of Nepomuk died keeping the sins of the Queen of Bohemia a secret. And presumably, anyone who wants to play in the grove or get inducted into the club should be willing to die to keep its secret safe. Which is why, when it comes to the Bohemian Club, we only know so much. We are on the outside, looking in. And from what we can see, it appears to be a waking fever dream. 2,000 or so of our planet's most influential men running through the redwood forests, drinking whiskey and beer, putting on plays, dressing in drag, 
carrying out rituals, smoking cigars, peeing on trees, and discussing the future of our world as we know it. A lot happens in the Grove. But that leaves the question of how far they take their revelry and whether it crosses the line into violence, murder, or even human sacrifice as part of a pagan ritual. And that's our first conspiracy theory, that they're killing people. In order to talk about conspiracy theory number one, we should discuss what paganism actually means. It's not as clear-cut as you might think. Generally, paganism isn't defined by what it is, but by what it's not. It's a term that encompasses any beliefs that fall outside the major world religions. It first appeared in the 4th century as a pejorative term used by Christians to describe polytheists, those who believed in more than one god. It was essentially synonymous with uncivilized. And today, the word pagan conjures different imagery depending on who you talk to. It applies to Wiccans, Satanists, Shamanists, as well as atheists and agnostics. The beliefs of pagan religions vary widely, but many share a couple commonalities, including recognizing the divine in nature, equality and fluidity amongst genders, the importance of music, and a lack of official doctrine or formal institution. In general, the ethos of most pagan religions can be summarized as, if it harms no one, then do what you will. But accusations regarding paganism in the Bohemian Club are much more sinister than do no harm, and those accusations likely stem from the club's cremation of care ritual. To recap a little of what we covered last week, the ceremony is the kickoff event to the Bohemian Club's festivities every summer, led by a man known as the High Priest. He wears a silver robe and a red cape. With him are 20 or so men dressed in black and red robes holding the torches. The ceremony takes place at sunset in the heart of the grove in front of a 30-foot statue of an owl. The entire event is underscored by a live symphony. The high priest opens with the words. The owl is in his leafy temple. Let all within the grove be reverent before him. And the ceremony ends by burning an effigy that they call care. It's a paper and wire construction made to resemble the figure of a human. And as they burn care, the attendees sing, a pure eternal flame, a pure eternal flame, at last within the lamp of fellowship upon the altar of Bohemia. Then they shout, be gone, detested care. Once again, midsummer sets us free. Finally, fireworks are set off above the lake. Immediately following the ceremony, the members of the Bohemian Club run amok, celebrating and drinking. The after-party has been described as a bacchanal, which is an ancient celebration of the Roman deity Bacchus, the god of wine, ecstasy, ritual madness, and theater. But the similarities between the cremation of care and polytheistic religions don't stop there. The Bohemian Club also seems to incorporate some very specific elements of pagan belief. First of all, the location. 
Well, they gather in the redwood forests. They are in and among nature, away from society and showing reverence to the woods. As evidenced by the high priest's words, lift up your heads, O ye trees, and be ye lift up, ye ever-living spires. For behold, here is Bohemia's shrine, and holy are the pillars of this house. Then there's the drinking, the ecstasy, the theatrics, the ritual madness. But the most convincing evidence is their use of what could be considered false idols, like the owl. As they say, let all the grove be reverent before him. And midsummer. Well, they continue. Once again, midsummer sets us free. Yes, midsummer here is a nod to the bard. But what Shakespeare was referencing, and by extension, the Bohemian Club as well, is the pagan holiday of midsummer. Ritual celebrations of the summer solstice have been happening since the Stone Age, more than 4,000 years ago. Then, of course, there's the burning of the effigy, the ritual sacrifice, a symbolic spiritual offering to the forest, to the owl. It's all very pagan. But there's also a Christian idol in the grove, St. John of Nepomuk. His symbolic presence tells everyone who enters, keep quiet. On the other hand, that's still just one of their many idols, and worshiping false idols goes against Christianity. It's spelled out blatantly in the Ten Commandments. Even without those similarities to other faiths, we'd be able to say that what happens in the Bohemian Grove is, by its very definition, pagan. Again, paganism is any belief system that doesn't fit the major world religions, and the opening ceremonies, while ritualized, are certainly not Christian, Islamic, Jewish, Hindu, or Buddhist. Well, based on what it's not, sure. But some might argue that our definition of paganism is a bit broad. And Bohemian Grove celebrations stand in contrast to common pagan values. You could make the argument that getting drunk and peeing on trees seems in contrast to respecting nature. Or you could see their urination as a return to nature, to man's more primal, natural instincts. The key word here being man. Gender fluidity is another thing that the Bohemian Club does not share with other pagan religions. Women are not welcome in the Grove. As we covered last episode, they were willing to fight the Department of Fair Employment and Housing all the way to the Supreme Court to ensure women stayed out of their club. But they embrace gender fluidity when they perform in their plays. They do drag. The Bohemian Grove's practices most certainly point to a pagan cult. On the other hand, we know that members of the Bohemian Club, outside of the Grove at least, are overwhelmingly conservative and Christian. Antonin Scalia, Bush, Nixon, Reagan, Rumsfeld, to name just a handful. But paganism was only part of conspiracy theory number one. There's also the question of whether they worship Satan and perform real human sacrifice. And a bone-chilling story from a young man in 1990 might confirm both those elements. Coming up... Damning testimony links the Bohemian Club to Satan, human sacrifice, and a child sex ring. Now, back to the story. 
Worship of strange idols, reverence for nature, arcane ceremony, music, drag, drinking, revelry, anarchy, and the burning of an effigy called Care, all happening inside the Bohemian Grove for the past century. While all those are confirmed, conspiracy theorists suggest the club has a connection to Satan and human sacrifice. The notions likely spawned from the Bohemian Club's very loose connection to the Illuminati. They both share a symbol, the owl. And the Illuminati, as well as many other secret societies, have long been charged with worshipping the devil. But let's take a moment to unpack what that really means. In the book of Genesis, Satan tempts Eve with a forbidden fruit. He promises that it will make her and Adam more like God. It will rid them of ignorance, imbue them with self-awareness, and set them apart from the animal kingdom. It would literally put them on the path towards becoming gods themselves. The fruit then leads to original sin and all of humanity's problems. Except, according to Satanists, the Bible's version of the story is skewed. When Satan offered the fruit to Eve in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't a temptation to evil. It was a favor. He was giving humanity power, the power to take control of their own destiny. The difference is a matter of perspective and blame. Is our species better with God keeping us in check or striking out on our own? Your interpretation of Satanism will probably depend on your own personal circumstances. If you're doing well, you might owe it to the devil. He's the one responsible for making you special, like a god. If you're not, you might blame him for cursing you or taking you away from God and paradise, which is likely why Satanism is often associated with the elite. We should note that modern ethical Satanism has little to do with literal devil worship. Most view the Bible and its characters as metaphors. Satanists celebrate humanity's symbolic ability to break free of restrictive religious principles and seek knowledge and freedom, and they don't practice human sacrifice. Right. Comparatively little is known about people who actually worship the devil as a literal being. Most stories about genuine Satanists are rumors and conjecture. In those tales, human sacrifice is quite common, but they're usually just speculation. As for the Bohemian Grove, we have an eyewitness. In 1990, Paul Bonacci gave a written testimony to his lawyer, John DeCampo. The following is a redacted excerpt. In the summer of 84, in or on July 26th, I went to Sacramento, California. We were driven to an area that had big trees, It took about an hour to get there. There was a cage with a boy in it. We'll spare you all of the excruciating details that follow. Paul, who was 16 at the time, described being forced at gunpoint to engage in unimaginably gruesome sexual activities with two other underage boys. There were men in the room with them. One proceeded to rape the boy in the cage then killed him with a gunshot to the head. Paul continued, His blood was all over us. Everything was filmed. 
One said the men with the hoods would take care of the body for them. According to Bonacci's lawyer, he later added that the men with the hoods were a satanic group and that they planned to use the dead boy in some sort of ceremony. On the night described in his testimony, Bonacci was quite possibly in the Bohemian Grove, but he had no idea at the time. He didn't even know what the Bohemian Grove was. Later, he and his lawyers put it together through the details of his testimony. The length of the trip, the trees, the cabins, the types of men who were allegedly involved. It was enough to ensure Bonacci never returned to the grounds again. But if he was in the Bohemian Grove and there was a satanic group of hooded men willing to dispose of a body, that's incredibly damning evidence, which would mean that conspiracy theory number one has serious weight behind it. But the testimony was never used in any case to implicate the Bohemian Club or its members. Well, maybe it wasn't strong enough. Or maybe the Bohemian Grove was peripheral to a much larger, much darker conspiracy. A sadistic, pedophilic sex cult. In order to detail the intricacies of Bonacci's case, we would need an entire episode. He was part of an effort to take down a major child prostitution ring with powerful figures involved. It's all too complicated and upsetting to get into here, but as the case relates to the Bohemian Grove, there are a few things we need to consider. First, this is the only story we have of anything like this happening in the Grove, which means that we can't establish a pattern. But that doesn't mean there isn't one. There are a number of other witnesses who are able to corroborate many aspects of Bonacci's accounts, but no one can confirm all of them. One thing is for sure, though, he experienced an incredible amount of trauma. Later in his life, Bonacci was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, which, depending on your viewpoint, either undermines or supports his statements. Like it or not, mental health diagnoses impact the American judicial system. Many times for the worst, they can destroy the credibility of a witness. That being said, there are some important questions surrounding Bonacci's credibility. Not all of his stories add up. And the victim of child sexual abuse later became the abuser. He was arrested in 1989, which naturally calls into question the character of the witness. But it should be noted that Bonacci won a 1999 case against Lawrence King the head of the Franklin Community Credit Union in Omaha, Nebraska. Bonacci was awarded $1 million for mental and physical injuries that were attributed to King's physical and sexual abuse. So, was the boy in the cage murdered as part of a satanic ritual? Did he become the human effigy of care in the summer of 1984? Bonacci's testimony said... One said the man with the hoods would take care of the body for them. The men with the hoods were a satanic group. If Bonacci's testimony is true, it doesn't necessarily mean that the entire Bohemian Club knew what was happening in one room of their 2,700-acre grounds, or that they would have approved of such activities. It could have just been a few evil men. Or it could have been a lot more. 
It certainly makes you look differently at this letter from a visitor of the Grove to one of its members, E.O. Lawrence. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed your party at the Bohemian Grove. In company with such a distinguished group, maybe I let my hair down with too much abandon, but seeing that all hands were doing likewise, I felt that I would be in good company. Of course, we'll never know what that letter is actually referring to, and we can't assume the worst. Which makes it tricky to evaluate this theory on a scale of 1 to 10, with the 10 being the most believable and 1 being the least. Well, that said, I would give conspiracy theory number 1, that the Bohemian Club is a human-sacrificing pagan cult, a 1 out of 10. Their ceremonies are meant to be silly and a bit tongue-in-cheek, and technically they might be pagan, but I don't think they're probably killing people in the woods. I agree. The hard evidence shows the group worshipping an owl and midsummer while quoting Shakespeare and getting drunk, but not much more. I'm not sure whether it feels sinister or silly. The ceremonies and rituals may feel silly, but the member list certainly isn't. That leads us to conspiracy theory number two. The Bohemian Club is a secret society using their power and influence to try and create a new world order. And we can't discuss that without also discussing conspiracy theory number three. The Bohemian Club members are responsible for the creation of the atomic bomb, and they hold the keys to the destruction of our planet. In many ways, the two theories play into each other. And the evidence to support both feels anything but silly. To begin, let's examine what we really mean when we say New World Order. We covered New World Order conspiracy theories in depth on a previous episode, but for newer listeners, it refers to a secretive elite cabal of powerful and influential people whose goal is to create a totalitarian regime. To put it plainly, they want to rule the world without the world knowing. And any society or club would, theoretically, achieve that by strategically placing its members in positions of influence and power through any means necessary. Such an organization wouldn't have loyalty to political parties or ideologies, only to their own advancement. A true New World Order is bigger than Republican and Democrat, liberal and conservative, USA and China. Officially, such an organization feels at odds with the Bohemian Grove's stated purpose. Their motto is, weaving spiders come not here. Allegedly, it means to keep your personal business affairs outside of their woods. But we know that business has, without a doubt, happened inside the Grove. As we discussed last week, the nightly drunken revelry and celebration appear to be in contrast to the afternoon lakeside talks. We know the names of many past talks through paper programs stolen by the employees in the Grove. But only one has ever been witnessed by someone outside of the Bohemian Club. In 1989, Philip Weiss, a reporter for Spy magazine, snuck into the Grove and heard a lakeside talk by the Commander-in-Chief of the United States Strategic Air Command, General John Chain. In Chain's talk, he lobbied for funding for a government project 
a B-2 aerial bomber program, a $45 billion program. Whether or not ink is being spilled in the grove, the conversations that happen in the woods apparently have an impact on the outside world. Well, maybe it's not such a coincidence that every Republican president since 1932, with the exception of Donald Trump, has made an appearance at the Grove. Maybe it's exactly how the invisible hand wants it. Coming up, we'll explore whether the Bohemian Club is destroying democracy as we know it, and whether they have the keys to America's nuclear Arsenal. Now back to the story. The Bohemian Club has been accused of trying to create a new world order and of helping to develop the atomic bomb. We know that despite their motto, weaving spiders come not here, business has certainly made its way into the Bohemian Grove. Lobbies for government funding, lakeside talks that led to elections for the president of the United States, the figurative leader of the free world. Which begs the question, if business is meant to stay out, why do they host lakeside talks every afternoon, delivered by some of the most powerful and influential men in the country? Politicians, generals, doctors, media moguls, CEOs, scientists, professors, all experts in their fields, all topics that, from the title alone, suggest that their contents would have an enormous impact on our society. We no longer have access to the Lakeside Talk names because they're no longer printed. We believe it's because employees kept stealing them and leaking the information. But we can examine the subjects of the talks that we know happened. Take, for instance, a 2004 Lakeside Talk called The Coming Virtual Soldier. It was delivered by Roger McCarthy, the chairman and principal engineer for Exponent Incorporated, one of the biggest engineering and science consulting firms in the world. The title suggests that McCarthy spoke about virtual tools of war that were being tested in 2004. In 2015, the United States military robotics market was an industry worth more than $250 billion. In 2005, a speech called The Case for Immigration Restriction was delivered by University of Colorado professor and former governor Richard Lamb. We have no idea what was said, but... Years later, the United States government cracked down on Southern Border Patrol. Immigration detention centers became inhospitable prison camps. Many didn't have access to soap, toothpaste, places to clean, or beds. They were forced to sleep on concrete or standing up. A report from the Department of Homeland Security found 900 people stuffed into a space that had a capacity of 125. And there have been a number of allegations of torture. And there are more suspicious lakeside talks we can analyze. In 2011, the founder of Fox News Channel, Rupert Murdoch, delivered a talk named The Future of News. Well, he could have said anything, but... Now we find ourselves trapped in a partisan political discourse dominated by fake news and its impact on the democratic process. Then there are the lakeside talks where we can only imagine what was said. Like 
The Long War of the 21st Century in 2004. Well, that could be about any number of wars that have happened or have yet to happen in this century. Or Nuclear Considerations, The Way Ahead in 2005. We can't say whether it was for or against nuclear arms, or if it had anything to do with the United States pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal in May 2018. Or Dark Energy and the Runaway Universe in 2005. I actually couldn't even begin to guess what that talk could have been about, but I'd love to know. And we only have access to some lakeside talks from some of those years. The Bohemian Club has been hosting annual festivities in the Redwoods since 1901. We've only been able to find names of speeches from fewer than eight of those years. That leaves as many as 1,666 briefings since the Bohemian Club's origin that we know nothing about. We should make it clear that, obviously, education should be celebrated. But the problem isn't the knowledge itself. It's that knowledge is power. And when only a select few individuals have access to that knowledge, it can tip the scales drastically in their favor. Richard Nixon admitted that the Bohemian Club played a role in his path to the White House. In his memoir, he said that the lakeside talk he delivered in the summer of 1967 marked the first milestone on my road to the presidency. In 1995, George Bush Sr. allegedly introduced his son to the Bohemian Club, saying that George W. would make a great president one day. Is it all just a coincidence? Do future presidents really just happen to go to the Grove? Or does the Grove make presidents? If the Bohemian Club is a secret society, one that's trying to create a new world order by placing its members into influential positions... They certainly have a good track record. And it would make sense why they have a pedigree standard for their members. They wouldn't be the only secret society that places a value on class, social status, and wealth. For similar organizations like the Skull and Bones, secrecy was motivated by elitism. According to sociologist Georg Simmel, confidentiality taps into a primal human need for information. If something is being kept secret, it subconsciously indicates that the information is valuable. So secret keepers are in possession of something worthy of coveting. And there are few secrets bigger than those regarding the most powerful weapon known to man. Despite business not being welcome in the Grove, we know one very important business meeting happened on their grounds. One that led to the Manhattan Project and the creation of the atomic bomb. September 1942. J.R. Oppenheimer, a chemist from the University of California Physics Department, and E.O. Lawrence from the UC Radiation Lab, quietly met in one of the Bohemian Grove's river clubhouses. Both later played critical roles in the development of nuclear weapons. Both appear to have been members of the club. Lawrence went on to invent the cyclotron, which scientists used to enrich uranium, a key ingredient in nuclear weaponry. Oppenheimer became the director of the Los Alamos Laboratory, 
which designed the actual bombs. Today, the fact that the meeting took place on the club's grounds is allegedly a source of pride, a story passed down from elder members to new inductees. Perhaps because it's the moment the Bohemian Club solidified itself as an organization capable of creating a new world order. Undoubtedly, the Bohemian Club has powerful connections to even more powerful men. That much is indisputable. But as for whether the club is a secret society trying to create a new world order, that's not so clear. I would definitely consider them a secret society. They're a registered social club. If we were to try and debate the difference between a social club and a society, we'd just be splitting hairs. As for secrecy, the Bohemian Club has gone to great lengths in order to remain private and make sure that their secrets don't escape the grove. We need not look any further than their patron saint, St. John of Nipamuk, for evidence of how much they value secrecy. But then, there's their plan for a new world order. I'm not sure there's enough evidence to prove that aspect of the theory. If they were trying to reshape the world, I'm not sure the group would be so partisan. After all, including liberal Democrats in the club would ensure the group would always hold political power, no matter which way the pendulum swings. Maybe, but it's self-evident that they crave powerful members and guests. There has to be a reason for that. There's a reason for their lakeside talks and for their desire to create strong bonds between powerful men, men that are predominantly white, Republican, and incredibly wealthy. I'd be shocked if conversations in the Grove haven't affected U.S. public policy. Definitely. But I'm more inclined to take anti-Bohemian Grove protester Mary Moore's perspective. When powerful people work together, they become even more powerful. They're wealthy and becoming more so, while the middle class is steadily becoming poorer. They control the markets and they make money whichever way the markets fluctuate. Which is to say, they are a secret society that likes power. But there's a difference between influencing the world and trying to run it. Given the group's obvious reach and pedigree, I'd give conspiracy theory number two an eight out of ten. The Bohemian Club might not know exactly what new world order they're working towards. They might not have a specific agenda, but whether they like it or not, they are creating a new world. I agree. They create bonds. When the elite help the elite climb even further up the ladder, it only adds to inequality. It threatens to undermine the democratic process. But I can't fully support the theory as it's commonly presented. I don't think it's premeditated enough. I think if the club were trying to take over the world, Democrats would have been invited too, and they haven't been. For those reasons, I would give conspiracy theory number two a six out of 10. Well, that leaves conspiracy theory number three. They helped create the atomic bomb. That's not really a theory. It's true, they did. And they could use a bomb to create a new world order. Sure, but they don't hold the keys. The President of the United States is the only person with unilateral authority to order the use of nuclear weapons. And as we've said, sitting President Donald Trump 
has reportedly never been invited to the Grove. Yet. So how do we rate this theory? I think we can't. I'd say we just wait and see what happens when and if they ever get the keys. But... By then, it might be too late. Or maybe we'll find out sooner. Perhaps Mary Moore's protest will drag out all of the secrets of the Bohemian Grove into the light. The devil you know is always better than the devil you don't. After all, they could be the men behind the curtain. Or they could just be a sheep in wolf's clothing. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy ParCast original Secret Societies, which pulls back the mask on groups like the Bohemian Club. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, But now, Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.